welcome to Incorruptible Mass. Uh, we are here to help us all transform state politics. We know that we could have a legislature um, and laws that support the needs of the vast majority of the residents of our beautiful state. Um, and today we are talking about why what are called state wins are actually small potatoes. So we are going to be going into a lot of things that we hear from state reps or state senators or other people um, who send out, hey, look at these amazing things that we did, um, and looking into them and seeing really you know, what is the impact of these things and what what else could they be doing with their time and with their supermajority? So um, before we go on, let me introduce my two fantastical co-hosts. Maybe that is not the right word. Um, I will start with Jordan. Uh, Jordan Burke Powers, he, him, and I had the misfortune of having like a, over 100 state reps and state senators email me almost, um, uh, about their about the things that they've done in the legislature, and it's a depressing foray. And Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Cohn, he, him, joining from Boston, and been active in issue and electoral campaigns here in Boston and statewide for a number of years. And I'm not on as many lists as Jordan, and I'm happy <laughs> about that fact. <laughs> and I am Anna Callahan. Uh, she, her, coming at you from Medford. Um, and uh, we are going to just dive in. We're going to kind of popcorn around. Feel free to jump in anytime. Bring up some things that you um, have heard people say that are, oh, gosh, wasn't this wonderful? Um, and uh, why don't we start off with the basic concept that, um, you know, we should be expecting more. We should be expecting more from a, um, you know, an entire legislature that is over 85% Democrats. And there is a Democratic Party platform here that is very ambitious. And we do not pass most of the stuff in there. Um, we now have a Democratic governor. <laughs> we should be expecting more. And in other states, we've talked about this before, in other states that have more, that are more purple, where they may have one legislature that's Republican and one that's Democrat. Once they get both that are Democratic, they suddenly pass a bunch of laws. It happens very quickly. They pass a bunch of you know stuff that we, as people on the left, expect uh, that Democrats support. Um, but in our state, because it is a one-party state, there is never that effect where a bunch of where people are pushing to get a bunch of things passed. Where there's an ambition to pass legislation. Um, and I'll pause there and let you guys jump in. Yeah, the, like the one thing. Um, that I would tag in with that is that I feel like the important thing to acknowledge with the Massachusetts legislature is that unlike I'd say like around a decade or so ago where some of the things the legislature did pass I think actually were harmful. We're back in the days where we were a number of Democrats would gladly sign on to a Republican messaging bill harmful to immigrants for the communities of color uh, that we've reached the point where like that that's not happening anymore and I think that's to the credit of a lot of organizing and activism in the state as well as lar general larger political trends but moving from that to a situation where you get like a few big wins each session is still incredibly underwhelming in the context of what the potential that exists in the legislature is. That when we think about national politics with the, with it's now divided, but even when we had a democratic democratic majorities with the House and Senate, that they, they, they were slim in recent history. Now it's kind of a very slim Senate majority and a and not a, a, a slim Republican majority in the House. And so that 
the ability to pass things legislatively then becomes difficult because now they're doing nothing and then frankly doing nothing in, in the Congress is better than doing something uh, given, given who controls the House. But when Democrats did have a majority in both houses and if you would need somebody like Joe Manchin to get, be like, or Kirsten Cinema, you have like a balancing act of how to get that last person on board because you need them for a simple majority. However, in Massachusetts, where you have, as you noted, a supermajority with room to spare, that same balancing act, does, at least in theory, doesn't need to exist. And you could then be passing legislation, kind of passing many different things, passing legislation earlier in the session so that you aren't constantly waiting until, often as they do, until the end of the session to pass bills, whether that's because they've spent months in conference committee or because you just take them up then. And you could be actually be quite active uh, and, and, kind of, and, and proactive in thinking of what are the problems that exist in the state and how do we use the ample resources that we have in the state to fix the problems that we have in the state. And instead, you, ought, like, you often see things sometimes that there are good things that are long overdue, some things that there are minor but helpful tweaks that are hardly anything to like sing, sing about. Uh, but it's always like that gap between how much potential that you would expect out of a de out of that heavily democratic of a legislature and what we actually see is always jarring. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's not just, um, it's not just, it, it's what's so un unnerving about it is uh, that it there's really big problems that they just continue to not address and they just treat it like it's gonna be fine. And in a time of rising fascism, it's not going to be fine. Like, we need to have a clear vision for what it is that this, that we could do, uh, that, that progressives could do um, if they have power. Right? Like, what is the alternative vision for the world? And currently, the alternative vision for the world is, like, I mean, it's, like, less shitty. <laughs> like, we're not going to fix any of your problems, but we're just not going to be as blatantly terrible to you. Well, that's not compelling that's not helpful that's not things and in a state legislature that has the largest you know has the largest majorities of democratic folks and has and should have clear progressive majorities clear vision you know like to have our state do basically nothing um you know to have the least <laughs> one of the least proactive state uh you know productive states in the country is like shocking. And some of the states that we're behind are states that have sessions for three months, not two years, right? Wow. They could pass, they could pass anything last year, right? The calendar year of 2023 passed. And the only successful thing they did was cut taxes for rich people. Like that's ridiculous. They did nothing else at all <laughs> and and passed a budget, which they're required to do by law. <laughs> so it's just, it's just really, you know, like we can do better. We can dream better. We can be big. We can, we can go a lot better. So as somebody gets a lot of emails for, for folks, let me give you some, let me give viewers who, who don't have this misfortune. Uh, some of the things that, that, you know, you get uh, when you get these emails. The, uh, the first laps, thing is right? the, the victory, victory laps, laps about... that they take. Yes. The biggest victory lap that they love to take is the pennies they get for their account. Now it's, mm -hmm. It, what's so great about this is they'll say things like, well, we held firm on on, on local aid. We gave you local aid. Uh, they're required to give local aid. <laughs> That's <laughs> the bare minimum that they should be doing is providing towns with money. 
and then they'll trot out like a like a Republican person who voted against the like uh, against um, some of the like Build Back Better bills. You know, they'll like trot out like, look what we did. We got this park, and I'm just like, you got pennies. And one of my favorite examples of this is here in Worcester, um, where our where our thank God for Jim McGovern, who had to cover like three quarters of the cost of something that the state that our local um, legislature got a little bit of money for started, and then clearly quickly realized they didn't have enough money to finish. <laughs> and had and needed to get Jim McGovern, who's at high up in Congress, to get an appropriations to bail us out. Mm. And like that happens all the time. And it's just like, what is what like so money for towns is the number one thing. They love this, they run on it. You'll see it. Um, I've written it many times on literature for elected officials, right? Look at the money we got. And it is always depressing because it's pennies for what we could and should be doing to invest in our needs. And I will also make a comment that. You know, the only reason that we don't just automatically everybody gets funding for your for your uh, representative district is because it allows the speaker to have the power to punish people who don't do what he wants. Right. So so it's yeah. deeply undemocratic that they can even say that as a victory lap. And what they're saying is I kissed the ring. I did what I was told. And that's why we got money for our for our district. Yeah, it, it, it's the thing that speaks to like the fundamental problem with the earmarks and that it's always very understandable why all legislators love them because then you can say how you got the specific thing. But it, it just always stands out to me that like why should, like why is funding happening for specific programs like that through the budget rather than like a state grant program for specific items where they have a clear set of parameters for which organization should be funded, a clear assessment of need, and then the money gets doled out accordingly. Obviously, that is far much less, far less attractive to, to legislators, and it doesn't play into the same ability to use that as a tool of power, but it just speaks to how, how politicized that process becomes um, and how much more sensible it would be, would be for things to be taken out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the um some of the other ones that I love <laughs> that, they, that they'll take victory laps for are like funding of local nonprofits, right? Like they'll like, look, we got this money for this thing, which is not small for that nonprofit, but like again, and um, uh, you know, I uh I remember we were we were trying to unseat an incumbent and their their answer to why to keep them in power was like, Well, I run because I fight for this nonprofit. And I just think that's you're a state rep for the whole state. Your job is to legislate a vision for the state. And the reason we should keep you of 160, only 160 of the 7 million people live here, is because you fight for one nonprofit? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? This, this, is, this is kind of one hop off topic, but I just wanted to use that point as an, as, as an opportunity to make, uh, to make a case. Before that, people, of why it is important whatever district you live in for for state rep districts and state senate districts outside of yours because people can there's an often an, an understandable parochialism that will come up around election around elections that the only things that are particularly worth paying attention to are the ones that you yourself can vote in but although you can only vote for so many state legislators the votes that they cast affect the entire state and those the votes that they cast affect you and that's kind of that, like that basic case for why you should actually be interested for what happens uh, kind of in places across the state. In yeah. the same way in which people feel that they have a vested interest 
in congressional races around the yeah. country because people understand that those votes are that that person votes on things that affect them same is true on the state yep and jordan i'm gonna encourage you you were talking about it you just threw at us a bunch of these really yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. So like this, small potatoes things just throw them at so us these are some, yeah so care. these are some of the things that they also take victory laps for uh one of my favorites is they um somebody was like look i got a um in a bill that passed i got updated information on nutrition in schools and so what that means for like lay people who like to understand is that the state is going to add some paragraphs to the uh to, it's going to it's going to add some paragraphs of instruction to DESE, the Department of Education, Secondary Education, and then DESE has to make that into something that could that teachers could pick up, and then a teacher would have to pick that up when they were doing a lesson plan. Hey, hey, they, this, the state has updated this. I'm going to implement these changes into my thing into the thing, and I will tell you that anybody, uh, my daughter does some of these classes they're already teaching because they're five or six years old ideas because our legislature is so far behind. So it's just like, it's just like, what are like, and this is one of my favorite, this is a ridiculous thing. Um, you know, they talked about early education workforce apprenticeship. Uh, so like having people get paid even less money to do early education, which is not bad. It's good. We should be encouraging people to go in and make it easier. But again, like that's small potatoes. Um, help. One of my favorite ones that they did with health insurance for public employees on day one. So what happens is, let's say you get hired by your state rep to work for them. You don't get health insurance for six months, which is, so they had to pass a bill to treat their own employees more human. <laughs> and, and this, that this was is a, a fight. Thing, yeah, yeah. And when we talk about like things they should have passed 20 years ago, you know, this right. is the, that kind of thing. It's like, what? who gets a victory lap for that? Like, I'm not saying it's but not good. Do. Obviously, it's right. good. <laughs> they should have been passed, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. forever ago. And that's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's, think, it, it, uh, with the staffing, that's just so jarring. It's always so jarring about how terribly they were treating staff that uh, if you started a new job in the legislature, you didn't have health insurance for several months. And like for all that our legend for all that Massachusetts loves to talk about its role in having like like close to universal health insurance and setting setting a standard for the country and how we did that so many decades ago. And those very people who passed that were not offering health insurance <laughs> to their staff on day one. Yep. And so I think it's let's um one of my other favorites that's uh that's a that's a bill that's up there that's uh that I think is a nice example of the problem is ending housing discriminations against families with young children, which means that they're going to, in theory, right, you'll you'll add it to the things that you can't discriminate against. And maybe if in a wild dream, they'll even up enforcement, which they can't do because they don't have any money to do it. But let's just pretend that they upped enforcement of this rule. Uh, go ahead, Anna. Let me jump in because I, having yeah. personal experience with this, I just want people to understand the reality. Like if you are trying to rent yeah. an apartment and you have a kid under six years old and the landlord has not fully deleted the apartment, then because of the state laws, like they are in some risk at renting yeah. to you that they might, if you are become, you know, if you do certain things, they could be liable to to actually delead their apartment, which could cost a fair amount of money. Um, and so the standard procedure is the instant they find out you have a kid that's under six years old, they just say, oh, sorry, apartment's not available anymore. 
And like that happened to us over and over. We learned to just not tell anybody. It was awful. It was so yeah. bad. My sister couldn't rent anywhere. I couldn't rent it. It was terrible. And and just to be clear, like I have a de-lead cert and all that means, all that means that they de-leaded it, but there's some places that still have lead. It just means that they painted over it or they covered over it. And so if something happens, right, I had to, that's like a whole thing. So as somebody who has it, like that's a real concern because the state, again, <laughs> did not do any real money behind de-leading. And it's a whole other, we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so this is a real problem that happens. Um, this reminds yes. me of when I went to, uh, when I went to uh, purchase our three-decker, at no point did anybody meet me. Uh, only my white wife was at any part of the conversation. And it was only at the end that they realized that Jordan was not her. And I bought it by myself, just to be clear. She also in no way contributed because for some financial reasons in no way contributed to it. And so um, <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. So those are real things that are happening. But so even if we did enforce it, right? Like, let's say we enforced it. Um, anybody who's, who's on a zoning board or any put of construction knows they're not building yeah. you know they're already de facto discriminating because most of the things that are being built are single are single rooms they're they're single single people occupancies they're high money one or two people at most they're not building for for families so by de, for de facto our cities and towns are already discriminating and because the state has failed to to actually address housing it doesn't matter that you've added this small thing that will literally never be enforced. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if you add it because you, there's no place for people to live, right? We're not building the sort of homes that can substantiate families in most of the, in, 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 in the cities, period. And, you know, for the most part, unless you have more disposable money than I can imagine, you're probably not getting it in the towns even. So for people who get any of these emails from your state rep, right, you're, you know, you vote in those elections, you may be on their email list, like we're asking you to like, just take, just take a breath and like pause as you're reading through these things and think, like, how many people are affected by that bill? Is it 10 or 20,000? Let's say that's bad. Is, should, no. is this something that should have been passed 20 years ago? I mean, the driver's license <laughs> bill took 20 years to pass, 20 years. And I'm not saying it's not good, of course. Should they should they have passed it last year? Yeah, of course. I mean, that got went through, you know, went through a ballot measure. Um, and then there are things like the fair share, the you know, fair share, which um is you know increasing our the taxes on the wealthy, and the and the legislature basically undid the whole thing by cutting taxes, by cutting other taxes on the same wealthy people. I mean. So it's like the even even things like the climate bill, which was really impactful and oh, sorry, which was really important, desperately needed climate bill that we passed after a, over a decade of not passing anything. Um, even that bill, because it relies so much on implementation and it is already behind in implementation, you know, there are ways that they can pass, quote unquote, pass good things. And yet the implementation either never happens or, you know, hasn't happened yet, um, or they, un like a fair share, they basically undo it completely. Um, so we are- Which they didn't even pass. We had to pass it. That's right. That's <laughs> right. We had to pass that another ballot measure. Um, but the yeah. things that, and and I, I want to, I have a closing statement, but I'm going to let you guys chime in a little bit before we end here. Any other things that we want to talk about that are, you know, we think yeah. they should be doing um, more? I, I would just underscore with your point about how much implementation matters on things that it's often very easy to once legislation gets passed to think, okay, that work is done. And I think that many legislators view their work as done when a law, when something gets signed into law, 
but there's so much more to happen to make sure that whoever's supposed to be implementing it, I think about this with the Department of Corrections all the time, is that it's one thing to pass criminal legal reforms, and it's another to make sure that the Department of Corrections is actually following them, uh, which is which can be which can be very difficult work. Yeah, and I'll just say, uh, I just I think um, it's really important that we keep our eye on the bigger ideas. So it, there are real, we have real problems in our state. Um, you know, it's, it's too expensive to get around. There isn't enough. Uh, there isn't enough housing, and on top of that, the housing that's there is not affordable. We're not doing. We're doing patch meal things that may affect housing costs twenty years from now. Uh, and healthcare you know, in America not, sucks. Right, I was going to say that, that, yeah, like healthcare, right, there's not, they can't even do a public, op they can't even do like a hack on public option, like they can't do anything imaginative to fix it, um, which is something that the legislature passed that Romney vetoed that they never went back and fixed, um, which they could go back and fix, they could provide a public option literally tomorrow with nobody opposing it, um, or at least nobody that worth noting, <laughs> Um you know, they're not addressing, they're not addressing, uh, uh, they're not addressing any sort of protections against AI, against the future of jobs. They're not thinking about any of these things. We are running, uh, we're going to be continuing to run deficits because of the tax cuts. They, they, they didn't, they didn't go back and say, hey, you know, we really maybe need to readjust these humongous tax cuts we gave to rich people um, to make sure that we can pay for things. They're not doing that. <laughs> they're not, they're not, re you know, they're not revisiting any of those things. Um, so unless, you know, yeah, it's so if you're among the 20,000, 30,000 people that are affected by some of these bills, they are really impactful. They're really important. They can be life-changing things. But we have seven, eight million people who live here um, or come through here, and we're not passing things to make, the, to address those big issues. And they could, because they have, they have like super, super majorities. They have majorities they can lose they can lose votes and still do veto proof which is two-thirds right like they can lose people and get it right the republicans celebrated adding one person to their, to their ranks like they have no future and yet we are not passing anything let's uh big ideas big changes big vision for the future they're not passing any of those things yeah and my final thought is just that you know a lot of people say that the um the Democratic uh, policy platform, the Democratic Party's official policy platform in Massachusetts is like wonky, nobody cares, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the truth is there is nothing out of the state leadership, out of the state legislature, out of the state Democratic Party, there is nothing provided as a vision. Nothing. So, that if if you're looking for if if the problem is like oh well nobody has a vision that's the problem you know honestly there is a clear vision coming out of the democratic party and what's nice is it is in fact a little bit more grassroots it's not just the people sitting in elected offices in the state legislature who are creating that so we have a policy platform and you, i encourage everybody to go and read that thing because there is a lot of stuff in there that would be fantastic that is really aligned with what everybody listening to this pretty much um you know agrees with uh, certainly a lot of our listeners agree with um and there is no reason why i mean it's literally the official democratic party platform for the state of massachusetts so what is the reason 
that the the leadership you know of both of those houses sees their their job not as to make sure that vision happens but it's almost as if they see their purpose as to ensure that they block that vision from happening that they obstruct that vision from happening so we leave you with that today um we hope that you read these emails with a little grain of salt understanding that there's way more we could be doing and um and the vision is already out there um and with that said we thank you all for listening um thanks my co-hosts and uh we look forward to chatting with you all next week Mm -hmm.